Welcome to episode number 40, 10 Rules for Life with Mental Illness. Now, this being my 40th episode, I thought that I would share my rules for the road of mental illness. Now, why would I need rules for mental illness? Uh, the truth of the matter is, well, why would anybody? The truth of the matter is, is mental illness is not really ideal for decision making. We have a tendency to do things by feel as human beings, meaning we say things like, I feel like chocolate ice cream today. I really don't feel like exercising today. I really, really don't feel like taking my medications today and so forth. Now, that's fine if you don't have serious issues with emotional stability. However, if you do have depression, anxiety, bipolar, and all of the derivations of those illnesses, making decisions by feel is probably not going to lead where you want it to. Now, often I have needed to make decisions when my emotional nature was probably not in the best place. I don't believe that it is wise to make life-changing decisions when you're bipolar high or depression low or even paralyzed by anxiety, meaning that for those times when mental illness rules your world, you're going to need a set of rules to live by. This is where my rules have come from. Now, my intent is not that you necessarily use my rules, but that you have a set of rules that you live by. So as examples, here are my 10 rules for mental illness life. My first rule is suicide is never an option. After my experience with suicide, uh, I will call it a not an attempt, but too close to count suicide, and a brush with reality, I realized that if I didn't make up my mind, that no matter what came, suicide was not an option, that I was likely going to end up dead. So I made the decision that no matter what might happen, the level of pain, my level of emptiness, that suicide was not going to be an option for me. I realized that I could not wait for the, mo- for the dark moment to arrive and then make that choice. Now, this includes every temptation that goes with it as well. If I'm tempted to overdose as part of my suicide, then I protect the medicines. If I'm tempted to use a gun, then a gun gets removed from the house or access. It means I get everything out of my personal space that would be a temptation when that moment comes. I am open and honest with those around me and with my spouse, and that's part of my suicide rule. Now, in conjunction with this rule, I include things that would be also harmful in any way. If I have issues with cutting, then I would make decisions that would be helpful to me to avoid it when those moments would come. If I had issues with addiction, then I would take take precautions in that regard. This rule is meant for me to make the decision to avoid being destructive before I am faced with conditions that cause it. It is important to remember that if I fail, have a weak moment with addictions or other harmful things, cutting whatever that might be in my in my life, your life, that the rule doesn't just go away. I get back up and I put the rule in place again. And if I need to change the methods of avoidance, then I do that. This is more than just avoiding self-harm actions. This is about planning before how to avoid the problems. If location, timing, friends, or other outside forces are causing some of the issue, then I make plans to avoid those situations, persons, and places. I'm not saying that this is an easy rule, especially when it comes to those disappointing moments, but what I am saying is that it's far better to make a rule and plan to avoid the issue. This is especially true when you've already either attempted suicide, had serious suicide thoughts, have started to, or have started to commence with harmful habits. What is more important is that you tell somebody your rules and have them also help you avoid those problems. Now, when I discussed suicide in the original suicide episode, I discussed how difficult that conversation might be with someone that you love to actually talk about suicide. However, the conversation can be additionally more effective if a discussion regarding this rule of avoidance is had. How are you going to avoid it? 
Now, if you've never had any experience with suicide or other harmful substances and actions and you find yourself thinking about them, then now is time to make the plan, not when it gets more serious. Do not wait for things to progress any further than the thoughts and then start by banning the thoughts. I realize that the body does all types of things to avoid and recognize and defer pain. You need to manage what it does rather than the body managing you. Rule number two, take my medicine. Now, I know this rule seems obvious, but it's far more difficult and far more inclusive than what it appears. When you feel good, nobody wants to take medications, especially ones with noticeable side effects. I've done the same as almost everyone. I've stopped my medications actually to my detriment. So my rule is take my medications unless I have spoken to the doctors and those watching helping me and they all agree on the change. Medications can be frustrating and one can feel dependent. And for some reason, we just don't like feeling dependent. Don't stop taking them. This is for me, this is for whatever rule you want to create. Don't stop taking them even when you feel good. Most medications for mental illness are not medications you want to play with, and they, they are long-term medications. They're not like a pain medication that you just simply take and over, overcome pain. These generally take weeks to really work in full effect. So if you stop taking them also, the side effects can actually worsen and other side effects occur and cause more serious issues. I take medications regularly, and I recommend them for those who need them to function. Now, I realize that many individuals do not want to take them or feel as though they don't need them. All I can say is to discuss this with those around you. You might find that mental illness is having far more outward effects than you even realize. Now, the same is true about continuing to take medication. Listen to those around you as your reality is going to change with the medications, but theirs is not. This also means that if things are going off the rails in your life with the mental illness and somebody is willing to stand up and tell you so, then you need to take that medication as well. We need, I, I need to be open to help in all of its forms rather than just the medicine. So this medicine is help. Take the medicine, take the help. Whether the medicine is brain training, meditation, physical medicines, take your medicine. Rule number three, manage the stress, manage the moment. I suppose that's good advice for almost everyone. But I don't often work through this rule very well. I'm not sure most of us do with mental illness. Mental illness lends itself to emotional swings, highs and lows, and alternate realities that complicate sometimes even the smallest of events. We learn to mask the stress and the moment. But I'm not sure how well we typically manage it. I'm not sure that I would even be the model for this rule. I have a tendency to stay fairly unemotional on the outside. But probably at times it is more masking than it is true reality. Learning to effectively manage the moment and the stress takes brain training and time. It may also take some medication for some people. One thing about this rule has been important to me is to be able to say no without feeling guilty. And I realize that I have limitations with my body, with my illness, and saying no is going to be an important part of my mental illness management. Some days are just going to be bad, and you're going to need to be able to say no and pull back rather than stretching yourself out too thin and causing further issues with the illness. I think that learning to say no was far more difficult than learning any other type of illness management. I suppose it's really not the actual saying of the no, but more the guilt that follows. I want to be helpful, kind, do my part of putting that shoulder to the wheel and 
Saying no to service or other good opportunities seems to drag with it a measure of guilt that I really could have done it, yeah. And yes, it is almost always true that I could have said yes to all the opportunities I've been given and completed the service. The question for me and for those who suffer is at what point does one more thing cost us too much with our mental health? The problem with the answer is that there's just really not an easy answer to that. But it's also critical to understand and to work with your limitations. As far as managing the moment, it's important to be able to pull yourself out of your body figuratively and review the, the moment and the situation from an unemotional, rational perspective. Sometimes simply reviewing the molehill that you have made a mountain can turn the mountain back to its regular size. I found that sometimes I simply need to walk away for a period of time and even sleep on it rather than to keep focused. I have found that my particular mental illness caused me to, causes me to hyper-focus on issues and attempt to resolve them immediately. Sometimes we need more information, time, perspective, before we really attempt to work through the problem. Often we need the emotions to be removed from the picture, and that's going to take time and walking away. My rule here is not to let the moment become more important than the people and the relationships. Rule number four, read scriptures, go to church, serve where you can. And I've got in parentheses, even if you don't feel like it. This one's fairly straightforward, but it can be far more difficult than it sounds. I made the decision that I would do what the prophets have stated, even when I don't feel like it at all. It doesn't mean that I force myself to read three chapters every day, but I do read the scriptures every day and attempt to comprehend what I can. Some days I do great, and some days I don't get much out of it. I go to church for as long as I can, I read for, long, for what I can, and I, and I do service within my limits. Now, this includes prayer and every other spiritual concern, including temple attendance. You might ask, why I do it when I don't feel like it at all? It may even feel significant resistance to doing it. I've actually found that I manage my illness better when I do. I do feel better over time, and things just go better in my life. This doesn't mean I don't have bad days or problems, and it doesn't mean that I don't miss parts of church or reading my scriptures, but I do everything I can to keep this rule. I realize that my personal faith and motivation might not support in the moment what I'm doing, but I know that the Lord understands that my faith is still there, it's just covered, and that if I do my part, he will do his, even if I don't personally get much from church, my prayers, or my reading and service. This is just my way of showing the Lord that I'm willing to do my part, and I'm hoping for his help. Okay, rule number five. Write it down, keep a journal. Okay, now while this is a rule for me, there are some things I have discovered for me regarding journaling. I have in the past recorded all of my thoughts and feelings and kept a daily journal, and that included on my mission. I found for me that recording my emotions when things are crazy is actually good for the moment in time, but generally not something I really want to read again later. I actually avoid my mission journals for much of this reason. I'm some by, somewhat embarrassed at times by what, what, I, what I wrote. It feels immature, and it actually brought back memories that I really don't want to remember. So recording all of your feelings can be advantageous in the moment, but understand that reading it later might bring back memories you really don't want. So I record things more on a weekly basis than a daily basis. I still write things when mental illness is tough, but I really don't reread them. I use it more as a method of condensing my thoughts and emotions and getting them out of me. Writing thoughts down can actually be a very good method of illness management and therapy. I do recommend recording everything that you can where you know that the Lord has spoken to you, though. 
keeping a spiritual journal has been very helpful for me. It can be very helpful for difficult moments. Remembering what the Lord has revealed to you is actually a very good way of keeping yourself on track when the emotions and revelations you once felt is no longer there. I recommend keeping a journal on your terms and the way that it best suits you and your illness. Rule number six, take advantage of what the illness gives you. Life is going to be messy at times. Your illness is going to get the best of you. Life is also going to be great at times. So if you're so great, you want to go off your medications and feel free. My rule here is to take advantage of what the illness gives. Don't try to force things so that a day, a bad day becomes far worse or a good day is turned into a bad day simply because we stretch things too far. It's also important to set your goals. Understand you have an illness. Plan for that illness. I do this on a regular basis to manage my illness. Also because it's the nature of my personality. I plan for a good day, but understand that I can reduce my load if the day turns out not to be as good as I hoped. Now that I have said that, this rule also means that my illness might give me opportunities that would not that I would not have had otherwise, meaning I feel things and experience things in ways that many people do not. I have expanded my own talents into writing and painting because that's what my illness and my personality have allowed. Your illness and personal attributes might lend itself to other types of talents. I have noticed that many of the artists of the world, and at least the recognized ones, and that includes music and other arts, have a tendency to have some kind of mental illness, at least in higher percentages than the general population. Your illness can actually be a benefit to you, and you should look to take advantage of it. I say this is one of my rules. Look for the advantages. Rule number seven, allow the atonement to work in my life, including the priesthood. One of the great blessings of mental illness and being a church member is that you have knowledge and the ability to access all of the powers of the atonement. The second blessing is that as a member of the church, you have made covenants. Those covenants give you access to all the powers of heaven. Of course, those powers cannot be used beyond their design. You have access to healings, revelation, guidance, continuing aid in every area of your life. At least every area will allow the Lord to work. Now, this doesn't mean that while the priesthood can heal that the Lord is going to remove your illness. There may be other reasons for your illness, both in mortality and eternity, but it does mean that help is available. One of the things that I wish I had done better was to simply rely on this power more than I have. I've always been a little more independent by nature, and sometimes I just shouldered the load on my own without asking the Lord for help. There really is no need to carry on your own what the Lord is willing to carry. Most of the time, it's simply about asking for that help on your own and recognizing that you need some help. Through blessings, prayer, and simple service, I have been the beneficiary of significant help and not always what might be termed miraculous ways. Much of the aid at times has come from those around me, and many times they didn't even know it. The Lord has so much to work with in this world and so many ways to meet needs that he can provide at the very moment that which we need. I have found that what I thought sometimes I needed and what I actually needed are generally two different things. I have learned over time to ask for the help and take what the Lord gives. Sometimes our image of help gets in the way of the real help that is needed. So be open to the real help and to what the Lord gives. Rule number eight, simple, exercise, eat well. Take care of my physical body. I know that what I eat, how long I sleep, regular exercise, and a host of other things to do with my body are going to affect my illness. The management of my physical body correlates directly to my illness and the severity and timing of my illness. 
I know that now the body management may mean a host of different things for different body types, allergies, so forth. The important part of this rule for me is to keep working at it and to keep it in the forefront of my mind when I go to, let's say, eat something or exercise or sleep a little longer or avoid exercise. Uh, physical body management is about keeping healthy habits in the forefront of what I'm doing daily. The better my habits, the better our habits, the more likely that the effects of the illness will actually be softened. Rule number nine, listen to those who love you. Relationships. This rule is incredibly important in many ways, but it is very important to understand what I mean by love. Someone who truly loves desires you to be healthy mentally. They want the best for you in your life and for your illness, and they are willing to sacrifice their time and effort for you. This means that they should be telling you when you're heading off track, even if it upsets and frustrates you. They will push you to take care of yourself and your illness. We need these stable people in our lives who will mourn for us when we mourn, but also say, time for the morning to stop. Now get up, get moving. We need someone we can look to when we don't exactly know what to do and answers don't seem to be coming. Most of all, we just need that person with whom we can share and sacrifice for each other. When you find these people in your life, and you will, then hold on to them. Don't drive them away. You don't have to have a romantic relationship with someone for them to care very much about you and you about them and for you to listen to what they have to say. They are far more likely they are far more likely to see things as they really are and not through the mental illness lens that I or we have. There's so much that I could actually say about this topic, but what's important about rule number nine for me is it has saved my life. Rule number 10, enjoy life. I have had a great deal of difficulty with this rule. I am still very much working on it. It is not that I don't want to enjoy life. I think that actually most of us really want to enjoy life, be happy and fulfilled. For me, happiness has always been tomorrow, next week, next event, my next job, my next whatever. Happiness has always seemed to be just a few days ahead of me. Now, I am not sure if this is a symptom or a side effect of the illness, but it has been difficult to stop and smell the roses while they are blooming. I suppose once the body is depressed, that the future is really all that's left, so perhaps I get into bad habits and forget what a wonderful life I really have. I guess I have always seen happiness as a place, a location, a moment in time, rather than really what it should be. Happiness really should be an attitude, a characteristic of the person, rather than a moment that we are chasing. And I have tried to enjoy more moments rather than to really look for what is coming in the future. Planning for the future is incredibly important, but it shouldn't be all-consuming, and we should really be more in the moment. Happiness comes from the present rather than the future, and I'm still working on that. Those are my 10 rules. You can use them. You don't have to use them. Create your own rules. What is important is that you set those rules ahead of time and you keep them. Sure, they're probably going to need to be altered, and that's fine, but never alter them when, when your mental illness is in session. If you break a rule, one of your rules, it's going to happen. Move forward, recommit, and work again. If you find that you are breaking the, per, your personal rules often, then you're going to have to adjust your methods of implementation. Don't adjust the rules. That means that find a way to get it done and don't give up on it. Your personal rules of the road are going to enhance your life physically and mentally and allow for you to work through those difficult moments that are going to come. 
without having to decide, make decisions probably in a bad moment in time. Now, my rules have at time adjusted and as needs have presented themselves. But overall, I have tried very hard to keep within my rules without changing them so that I better manage my illness in my life. Now, those are my 10 rules. They've been important to me and they've been helpful to me and they've saved my life. Remember that it's important to truly, I guess the best thing it is, decide before you decide. In other words, make these rules, make these decisions ahead of time. So when you're in the midst of the darkness and the difficulties, you have something to turn to to make those decisions that are important to you. Now that's it for today, but may the Lord bless you. And as always, the Lord requires the fight, and then he can do his part.